0: back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is April 30th, 2018, and this is episode 235. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. On this week's show, we'll go around the bases and discuss one of the worst starts ever. And we'll also strip it all down and try to get you aroused for dongs after dark. And we'll do all that right after we lubricate... For the show. That's right, it's time
1: for the Drink of the Week. Scott Magnus, what's your Drink of the Week? Uh, I'm actually drinking a Balvini Scotch uh, aged in Caribbean rum barrels. So, And how do we like this? Oh, it's yummy. It's nice, a little bit of a sugary characteristic right on top of the scotch. Excellent. It's yummy.
0: Yeah, I am drinking, Hard liquor, yay. <laughs> I am drinking an Uncommon Element, which is a uh, pale ale from the Nickelbrook Brewing Company of Ontario, Canada. Quite, also quite yummy. You're I am uh, drinking Canadian beer? I'm drinking Canadian beer. Watch out, Hunsu Kim. <laughs> the best of what America has to offer me, and by that I mean baseball has let me down, and so I've turned to Canadian beer. Um, if you are interested in what we are drinking, please join us on Untapped as we drink socially. I'm at Jake E 4025 And I'm at
1: MAGN8606. And with that, it's time for a checkup.
2: your eyes find out how much you grow. time for your check-up gonna listen to your heart they fix you up ready to go time for your check-up <laughs> it's, it's okay if you can we'll time for your
1: check-up time for your check-up jake the nightmare is over mark, is it? mark trumbo is back oh Thank goodness. Mark Trumbo is back. Everything is good in the world once again.
0: Well, I mean, we do need a disappointing first baseman on this team, right? Oh. 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 oh.
1: Yeah. Um, Nothing much going on with Colby Rasmus. Thank goodness. Jonathan Scope, it sounds like he's itching to get started doing going on a rehab assignments, but the Orioles are not really pushing him any further. And Zach Burton continues to get updates from the Baltimore Beat writers of uh, activities that he is taking but I feel like we're missing one big storyline that happened this week. Well, you did miss a major injury. Oh, okay.
0: This is an injury that will just rock the Orioles to their core. Jim Hunter had a paper cut? <laughs> one day ago, this very time yesterday, we were learning that Luis Sardinius was sent to the DL. Scott, this is, this is shaken Birdland. Is he still on this team? No, apparently not. Apparently He's on I the think. DL, yeah
1: obviously tim beckham going out for a prolonged period of time now um is is the big story of course in the medical wing um it sounds like this has kind of been bothering him throughout all of since the beginning of the season jake um do you think this explains any of his issues so far at the plate and in the field i hope so um
0: I was ready to accept that this was just Tim Beckham. I was I was ready to accept the way everything else in the season was going that, uh, you know, the flash in the pan that we got in August of last season was too good to be true. So all I can do at this point is just hope. Hope that when he comes back, he's somewhere in between
1: what he was last August and what he has been to start the season. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty awful beginning of the season for Tim Beckham. Uh, So far on the season, he had posted a 39-weighted runs created plus. And as much as we like to give him flack in terms of his defensive um, performance at um, third base, he actually posted some pretty, I wouldn't say great, but decent numbers so far defensively. But the offense had been non-existent. Um, On on a team that had too many number nine hitters, by the way. (laughs) Sure. I I mean, I think the big thing is, you know, looking at Tim Beckham's numbers, um, you know, the walk rate was pretty much where it was. The the, you know, the strikeout rate was exactly where it was, but it was the power that was gone. Uh, for example, in 2016 with the race, 187 ISO, 2017, 176 ISO. And again, this season, 0.83 ISO. And I know we harped on this last see- last week, um, but certainly Tim Beckham um, suffered that power outage, as it were. And uh, we'll see what happens with Tim Beckham. That uh, the Folks are saying that. Be sidelined for six to seven weeks. I certainly think it's going to be maybe even a little bit longer than that. Um, But we'll see when he comes back, and um, you know who he's playing with in the infield. Womp womp. So other aspects in terms of the uh, the medical wing that we need to cover. uh, Corey Seager uh, went out with Tommy John surgery uh, today as well. Yeah,
0: yeah. Tim Beckham, not the most interesting injury of the season, but Scott. Let's get to that. We'll get to that later. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and do 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. This week on the Twitters. Uh, Folks, it's Baltimore. The Orioles are doing poorly. So clearly, that means it's football season. It's time for a rare bird's eye view football tweet. Uh, Evidently, the Ravens also still think it's baseball season. This is a tweet that comes from Ryan Warmly. Are they still doing the uh, Orioles Uncensored podcast? I don't think so. Boys, come back. Uh, I was your number one fan. Uh, Ryan Warmly, I guess formerly of the Orioles Uncensored podcast, uh, who tweets at Ryan Warmly. No surprise, a team from Baltimore would draft a failed pitcher. Da dot, dot. Just didn't expect him to be a
1: tight end. Oof. Well played. Well played. Well played. Uh, similarly, on the same topic, uh, this will go into the ouch category. Uh, Sung Ming Kim, uh, you can follow him at Sung underscore Ming Kim. Actually, Really great guy, does some really great posts about the KBO, um, writes for The Athletic, which everyone does, basically. Fortunately, he's a Yankees fan, but also he's a Terps fan, so I think this all balances out at at the end. Um, As long as he keeps his Yankee fandom behind a paywall that I can't access, I'm fine. And he tweets as follows. uh, Former Pirates first baseman Hayden Hurst selected at number 25 by the Baltimore Ravens. The Pirates picked him in the 17th round in 2012 haven't seen a Baltimore team regarding former Pirates first baseman this highly since Pedro Alvarez. Yeah. Ouch. It's true. It's ouch. Scotty, we do not
0: generally use this week on the Twitters to shame people, Oh, but I'm not above it. Yeah. And there was a tweet worthy of shame Sunday. You and I went to a baseball game and as is our custom, we took a picture of the stadium from our seats and said, here is today's bird's eye view. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Very funny. Someone tweeted down here and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw this out there. This comes just gonna shame them. This comes from an at Abrams nineteen eighty five, a Mr. James Abrams, who tweeted back, it's no Yankee Stadium. Dot dot dot. To which I can say, Thank God. Thank God it is not Yankee Stadium. And you know what, Mr. Abrams, if that is your fake Twitter name, let me have this. Alright, we're going back into an age where I have nothing. My team is crap. Yours is gonna walk in and beat me three times out of four. Well, except for that other one. And your quote unquote fans are gonna take over my stadium and make jerks of themselves. And I clean that up so that Scott didn't have to put the sound bite in. Ba-ding! Just let me have the fact that we've got a gorgeous stadium and get
1: out of my mentions. Yeah. So Jake, you're telling me there isn't a chance. This tweet comes from at D Zambrowski. Uh, the last team to make the playoffs starting the season 6-19 or worse in their first for 25 games were the 1877 Rochester Light Grays, a team I just made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I believe there was an article on Fangraphs earlier this week that said the Orioles' chances for a playoff now are 1-1,000. in 1, So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. All
0: right. We may have made a mistake, Scott. We well, always make mistakes. It's time for us to own up to it. It's time for us to, to show a little... Responsibility here. This tweet comes to us from our friends at Utah Street Report who tweet at Utah ST Report. We keep talking about Trumbo and the pies, but what's the O's record since Bird's Eye View Baltimore went off brand and had an optimistic episode? Mm-hmm. Tweeting his answer to himself, he said, The answer is 2 and 11.
1: Ouch. It's not, not good, good, Scott. That's not, not good. The O's are a terrible, terrible team, folks, and they will never rebound from this. Never ever uh this next week comes into the category of killing off excuses from the paris box and well destroying any articles that Steve lusky may have posted that day uh brit roly post as follows from at brit underscore Giroli. tampa bay has scored eight runs in five consecutive games by the way so please no more excuses about the bats need time to heat up weather is no longer an issue either Yikes. Ouch. Somebody
0: doesn't like covering losing baseball. Yeah, And our last tweet is one that shows that we start them off young here in Birdland. This is a tweet from the O's Sunglasses guy. Of course, tweeting, at O's Sunglass guy. My son's first game, hashtag Birdland, hashtag teach them young. With a lovely picture of John and his family, including their young son at uh, what I believe to be Sunday's game that uh, looks right yeah. <laughs> they look bundled up so they must be yes. uh john well done and uh you know mazel tov all the best hey to you. and uh get some sunglasses and that kid i know seriously it was a bright day that kid was unprotected yeah. you don't
1: want an unprotected
0: child oh my goodness right jake and with that we should probably <laughs> run screaming from this week
1: on the twitters all right well let's go around the bases and descend into that which is orioles baseball All right, Jake, it was um, – well, let's just say this. I came into last week and I said, you know, I'm not going to give up on this team just yet. I said, you know, if they come out of that Tampa Bay series and they come out of the Tiger series and, you know, they, they lose no more than, like, one game, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe say maybe they have a chance. Are you telling me that you didn't look at what you saw last
0: week and find hope? Scott, you're not looking at this the right way. Okay. First of all, Mother Nature did us a solid. And rained out one of the Orioles games, which meant that the Orioles played five games since we last podcasted, and they won two of them. Scott, that's 40%. They have raised their winning percentage in this past week to 40%.
1: So what you're saying is by this exponential growth in winning percentage, we should be at, you know, a 1,000 winning percentage any day now. If not 2,000. Right. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, let's go to first base because (laughs) Bioros can't seem to get there. I do want to talk about the Beckham injury just a little bit. I definitely want to talk about the Beckham injury first base.
0: I want to talk about the impact. Do you have anything to say more about Beckham that we didn't hit up top?
1: I, I really don't. I just want to talk really about exactly what you're pointing out, which is what is the impact going to be on this team? Hear me out on this one. Sure. It has not been as bad as it could have been. This team does
0: not have a utility infielder. Instead, this team has Danny Valencia and Pedro Alvarez. And both of those cats played third base this week. And when I saw Pedro Alvarez in the lineup at third base, I thought dark thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to lie. And neither of them are major league third basemen. Absolutely neither. But there was a little bit of Steve Pierce at second base going on over there this week where I held my breath every time they made throws. And whoever was over there was flashing the gold glove to make sure that the throws got there. You don't want to see it on a regular basis. Absolutely not. But it did not burn the Orioles to not have Tim Beckham there defensively in third base. You're right. In, those, in that
1: brief, small sample size. Small
0: sample size. Small It did not
1: beat the Orioles. However, for those of us that were at the game on Sunday and watched Pedro Alvarez throw across the diamond, <sighs> and every single time went, <sighs> I mean, there was no... I only brought so many pairs of pants. There was no consistency whatsoever to the story. So... With a, uh, a speedier team, as it were, um, one would assume that Pedro Alvarez, the third base, cannot be a long-term option. Wouldn't you bunt all day on Pedro of Alvarez? Of course. <laughs> Good Lord. It's just an absolute disaster. I mean, even Pedro Alvarez going over to the shift, like it would happen, he'd be like, oh, right. I need to be over on this side of the field now.
0: However, there was a diving play by Pedro Alvarez where he did not record the out, but he dove. And I was like, what
1: infielder is that and the shit. It, no way. It kind of looked like Jake English playing softball, basically. Oh,
0: that's funny, because I was going to say it actually looked kind of athletic, but that's that's clearly
1: not the no, description not that you just gave. I think this is an interesting scenario where, with Beckham out, mm-hmm. and with Scope out... And Luis Sardinia's out. And Luis Sardinia's out. It really does raise the question of, like, who the heck is actually going to play infield for this team going forward. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I hate to beat on this drum of, where's J.J. Hardy? Really? Where's JJ Hardy?
0: You think J.J. Hardy's gonna come play third base?
1: I think J.J. Hardy will come and play second base if we have to. Okay. But I, I could see that. I mean l- I mean, there is no options right now. And this comes back to Andrew Stecken made a great mass article about this a few weeks ago, and he was emphasizing the whole aspect of um how little depth there is in terms of the minor league system. People railed on him at the time in terms of saying, like, hey, we've got great players now and like Hayes and Mountcastle, and Cedric Mullins. But the problem with that is, yeah, there are decent prospects, but there's no prospects readily available to come up and immediately fill that role. I mean, Mountcastle is probably the closest you could potentially get from an infield standpoint, and he's not close right now. So you have no depth in A to immediately pull somebody up. You're going to run into these situations where you're pulling up a Luis Sardinas, and then you say, oh, wait, Luis Sardinias is uh, not available too. I hate to say it, but... This is where Ryan Flaherty was extremely valuable in previous seasons, as much as we'd like to give him flack for it.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm not even fanboying for Ryan Flaherty the person. I'm fanboying Ryan Flaherty the concept. You right. know, again, Chris Gomez was this before we right. had Ryan Flaherty. These guys are not necessarily a dime a dozen, but Flaherty's not the only guy out there like that.
1: Sure. Right. At this point, we've got... Um, Lesser versions of Ty Wigginton out there, basically, trying to do the job. Absolutely. Um, Let me ask you this. Um, I know that he's played it in
0: an emergency fashion over there because of injury uh, with the Braves. But can Jace Peterson play third base? Yeah, he can play third base. I don't know when the shine is going to wear off Jace Peterson. And maybe it's just because the rest of the team has been god-awful. But he's been okay. Right and yeah. and it it reeks of the Chaz Row find where you know Dan Duquette can find the guy that can give you the innings and the appearances that you need for about two weeks to help you cobble through the rest of your season. I don't know how long it'll take for Jace uh, Peterson to lose the horseshoe that he shoved in anatomically, uh, you know, uh, un- unremarkable places. But I'm curious as to if Jace Peterson can be that Ryan Flaherty guy, or whether we're
1: just seeing a great audition that he'll eventually fall off from. I think we're seeing a great audition that he's gonna eventually fall off from and I still come back to I don't think Jace Peterson has the defensive um ability that even a Ryan Flaherty did. And I'm not saying Ryan Flaherty was great. I just don't think Chase Peterson is that individual. But that also being said, you know, Sardinas was brought up, and I thought he would be much better defensively, and he was god-awful. Like, right. he was double-clutching. He didn't really know when, you know, when, you know, the relays were coming in. Sardinas showed me nothing. Like, so as much as that's like, eh, you know, it's not good that he went to a DL, I don't see it as a net, significant net loss, personally. Well, I think it's only not a
0: loss because we don't have anybody else. And and okay. go, going back to your point on, on Flaherty, uh, the only thing he had going for him was his defense. Sure. Right. That he was capable of just about every position on the field. You know, maybe he wasn't flashy anywhere, but he
1: was dependable everywhere. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so how big of a deal do you think it is with Jonathan Scope still not, you know, having a deadline to come back? Uh, Beckham now being out for at least six weeks. Um, the infield, which everyone has always looked at and said, oh, that's the strength of the Baltimore Orioles in terms of a defense standpoint. And that's really how the Orioles are going to win. At this point, there is no infield. Sure. Yeah,
0: it's it's not a good look right now. It's not a good look. It'll be interesting because, uh, you know, while uh, Chris Davis takes some time off to try to get his everything right, it's interesting because Trey Mancini, you know, plays a credible first base. I don't know that he's he's necessarily as good as, as Chris Davis, but you have a clear backup there, mm-hmm. right? Mark Trumbo, when he comes back, is passable at first base. He's no great shakes or anything like that, but you have positions there. You have... Um, I don't even want to call them passable but you have maybe replacement level uh, players at third with Valencia and Alvarez. Okay, you can cobble that together for a little while, right? If we lose a shortstop, we're in trouble. Oh yeah. We lose a second baseman, we've been able to go get that in, in the uh, you know from, from the scrap heap. That doesn't really
1: fill me with a whole lot of hope. But coming back to Corey Seager, why not just burn it all down and just say, let's have no infield whatsoever? Well, I mean, I think
0: the the question you're asking is, how far do we let this get right
1: before we start rebuilding sooner than we thought we'd have to? Yeah. How much of a train wreck does that get to? And we'll, we'll come back to that at the very end of the segment. Um, Jake, let me ask you, uh, we were talking last week during the podcast, and we were talking about Kevin Gossman, and I, I basically said... He's he going to is be no. What he, is. he is what he is. He's going to be no better than a third or fourth starter, basically. And then he goes out and throws an immaculate inning. So let's talk about the aspect of the immaculate inning. How big of a deal do you actually think the immaculate inning is for Kevin Gossman? So,
0: so what? Who cares? Big whoop. The immaculate inning was the least interesting thing to me of
1: everything that happened in that start. So, I've got a fondness for the immaculate inning because it's one of those situations where, when I'm watching a game and I'm watching someone start. Uh, and I watched someone come out of pitch when they get the first batter out with three strikes. And I'm like, oh, we might get an immaculate inning this inning. Um, and it's not one of those things that is, like, a huge deal. But it's one of those things that I'm always, like, watching for. And it's, like, my side project to basically watch it. And I'm like, oh, nope, didn't happen. It came close. I was like, everybody else seems to get immaculate innings. But the Orioles never seem to get immaculate innings. And no, no, no. The Orioles seem to induce a lot of well, immaculate Well, that's true. Innings. Right, exactly. Yeah. But it was, I completely agree with you looking at it. Now it's the aspect of it really is not that big of a deal and it's a cool little footnote. Um, but in general, it comes back down to the entire, um, canvas of his work during that game was much more critical than the immaculate inning, regardless of what an Australian Twitter follower basically wants to basically say that an immaculate inning is a bigger deal than a no hitter. But, um, It was great to see Gossman perform so well um, on Monday, but then coming into Sunday's game, um, I feel like he went right back to where he was before, which is this third or fourth starter. I don't think it was a bad game necessarily, but I don't necessarily think it was a great game. Um, What what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that you need to retrain your expectation,
0: right? Because I feel like we were feeling very down on Kevin Gossman. And if he had gone and thrown a real crapper before Sunday's game, you would actually be enthused by what you saw on Sunday. Sure. So I think that eh, okay, and excellent right before it is probably a a great place to be, yeah. right? Because if he's teetering between just okay
1: and excellent, that's a lot better than teetering between just okay and awful. So uh, Dan Zversky, who we love to follow, uh, had this interesting tweet yesterday, and he said, Kevin Gossman now has a 2.97 ERA since his first start. Um, I mean, do we basically just say, you know, we're giving Kevin Gossman a hard time because, you know, Dylan Bundy is pitching so well. And maybe we should come back and say, you know what, maybe Kevin Gossman is a decent pitcher and we're giving him a lot of flack. I mean, we've talked about this in previous seasons where he has posted uh, performances that put him in the top 30 for Major League Baseball for, you know, certain portion of the season do we just have too unrealistic of an expectation that Kevin Gossman needs to be an ace and instead could just be a really good pitcher?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's certainly fair. The other thing that we need to keep in mind is that there is the very real danger that when everything else sucks, we are so dissatisfied and ready to be dissatisfied that we take a look at, you know, your standard start by a pitcher and think, not good enough. Um, I don't think that we were too harsh on Kevin Gosman at first. Maybe, maybe this is as good as he'll ever, you know, ever get. But at the same time, I, I think that there's that drive to not be fooled again. You know what I mean? Uh, like we did in the Dark Ages, we're hardening our hearts because we don't want them to be broken. I certainly hope that Kevin Gosman can build on good and excellent and good and excellent and put together a strong first half so that he can then put together a strong second half.
1: But you know, the proof is in the pudding. He's got to show us. Sure. All right, let's go to third base. Um, Let's talk Chris Davis. And it's been really weird to see Chris Davis sitting on the bench for as often as he has. And Buck had some really interesting words saying, you know, he's going to work with Scott Coolball, and he's going to be changing a bunch of things, and um, we'll see how things go. Um, But it certainly didn't seem like Buck was basically saying, like, he's going to bounce back from this. We know he's got the track record for it. It was more just like he's working on a few things, and we'll see how things go. Like. At, at, at a certain point, do you think Buck is basically saying, if it doesn't work out, we're going to have to cut bait? I don't think there's that, because I think with the contract scenario, it's too big for
0: Buck, right? But I do think that you're starting to see the frustration leak out. And I, I think that Buck, you know, Buck is a Chris Davis guy. He wants Davis to do well, mm-hmm. but he's killing the team, right? He's just killing the team, and I think that there's a a level of frustration, but also just realism from Showalter that we haven't seen. I I think that this, and I'm, I'm trying to be careful with my wording here, but this benching that we've seen, you know, two games off and then the off day, I think that this benching is a good sign, and I think it's a good sign because it shows that they're not just going to play him at the expense of the team because of the contract. Yeah, you can't avoid him forever. And no, I don't think they're going to cut him. But when he's doing absolutely nothing, they're willing to at least give the team two games without him. Right?
1: Okay. I I, I see what you're saying. I mean, at eventually at some point, though, it is the aspect of, and we've talked about this in previous seasons, you've already sunk the money into it. So if he's not going to get better, it comes back to the Ibaldo Jimenez situation, which is at what point do you just basically say, it's not worth... The roster spot, we're just going to say this was a huge mistake um, in, a, in similar roster Development style and just say we're going to move on and basically fill it with some other roster spot. I'm not saying I wouldn't
0: cut him. Right. I'm saying the Orioles won't cut him. And I think that your example of Baldo Jimenez is a perfect example. Right. You know, Jimenez was weapons-grade terrible for four years, and they kept running him out there, you know, uh, most notably in a game that should have featured Zach Britton. But uh, they'll do the same with Chris Davis. I don't think we're at the point yet, and I, I don't know what point that could possibly be, that they cut bait. But they're going to do everything they can
1: to try to get something out of Chris Davis because they're stuck with him. So let's talk about the one thing that you were talking about before, which is Trey Mancini um, at first base. Do you think moving Trey Mancini to first base and just saying, you're going to be our first baseman going forward in the future, and basically saying, you know, you did an okay job in left field, better than we expected, but... We want you to be our first baseman going forward in the future. Do you think that's the move the Orioles need to make and then build that offense in the outfield around them? Or do you think you just say, Trey, you're going to stay in left field until we can figure out what we're going to do with Davis?
0: I think it's the latter. Okay. And I think it's the latter because of all the things that Davis doesn't do well right now. He still plays an excellent first base, right? I I think I've been on record for a while now saying that he plays a really stellar first base. Maybe maybe not quite gold glove uh, caliber, but maybe. Um, and for everything else, Trey Mancini is not being hurt by being out there, right? He's out there in left field trying to turn himself into a credible outfielder. How good a job he does is arguable, but he's not killing the team out there, right? And it hasn't affected his bat. And in some distant day in the post Chris Davis world, Trey Mancini has also shown that he can go back to his natural position and play
1: it without any drop off. So no, I think for the time being, he sits where he sits. Okay. So let's go to home plate. We kind of been alluding to this, this whole situation. Um, the Orioles are done basically like as much as we don't want to say it and don't want to admit it, the oral season is done and we haven't even got to may yet, but there's no likelihood that the Orioles can salvage this season and, um, get to a playoff anymore. And it's, it's, it's really depressing and it's really sad. Um, but there's there's no path here forward. Is the best way to describe it. Uh, am I they're wrong not, about this? They're not the light grays. There's no way. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just there's no path here that basically says they can get to even 85 wins. I mean, we're not in May yet, and the Orioles are 12 and a half games out of first.
0: Right. And right? again, we're we, 12 games under five. We weren't even
1: thinking about the aspect of you know the division. We were thinking wild this whole time. But even that is pretty much out of the question in all in all honesty. Sure. Absolutely. Um. So there were comments made by Dan Duquette uh, earlier this week indicating that, you know, it's not the right time to start selling off the pieces as of this time. Um, you know, we need to hold off and we need to see what transpires in the near future. And, you know, maybe by the end of May, we can have that conversation once again. Are you OK with that decision of saying we need to punt for one more month um, and, you know, we're going to see what happens? I
0: am. Okay. I am. And the reason for that is that I don't think it's possible for the Orioles to find a trajectory, to even find the path mm-hmm. to make the playoffs, right? To become relevant in the wild card race again. And, you know, while we were having that discussion, it's eight and a half games back from uh, the wild card. But I will say this their elimination number is 127. Mm-hmm. So it does feel like the season has been getting shorter since the opening weekend, right? It does feel incredibly dark. But baseball is incredibly long as well. And so do I think that there's a chance that the Orioles can make it? No. But I think with 127 games worth of margin to go, and this being your last chance, no. You don't blow it up yet. And I get the fact that the longer we wait, the less we'll get for people like Manny Machado or whoever else Sure. you may deal away but i think to give this team another month to see if they can become
1: relevant sure yeah you give it you give it a try all right so i guess my only thing is and this is just you know thinking about the future is you know you you're pretty much not going to win this season you've already got a payroll that's dedicated so much money to it why not start shedding some of that payroll and basically but darting up the Orioles is the best way to describe it and saying I'm willing to trade away players and trying to pull in reclamation projects to see how it goes. And in similar 2010 vein, um, why don't I go ahead and start making the moves in the front office and on the field to put yourself in a position for 2019 in order to come in 2019 with, you know, the manager that we want. Uh, with the front office we want and the direction that we want to go for going forward. So is there any benefit to the or to say we're done? Um, Buck, we need you to be in the front office by the time the trade deadline comes on. Um, we need you to name uh, a successful, or at least an interim manager for the time being. Um, and you'll come up to the front office with us. John Russell, per, per, for example, could run the team internally until we name a manager um, that manager could be John Russell or could be someone that you want to do from an outside search. Um, and then we start shedding payroll such as if Manny Machado is making $15 million this year right now, if you could get him out of here for, you know, two thirds of the season, you're saving yourself $10 million along with whatever prospects you're pulling into. At a certain point, you have to play the financial game as long as well as getting the prospects into your system that you could potentially get as well. I understand the financials, but
0: I don't think that that's a motivator for the Orioles. And and I, and I will say this, um, I don't think there's any value in getting, you know, a guy like Showalter or Duquette out now. I think that if the season is going to be listless anyway, you might as well dance with the date you brung, right? I, I think the discussion as to whether or not we want uh, Buck Showalter to be, to be the manager after the 2018 season is a good one. Personally, I do. Right? I, I would like to see him re-signed and and working with a new front office to try to put uh, another winner in place. The question is, though, has his voice faded in the clubhouse too much? And uh, you know, and and you can look at that with. Um, You know, there's that closed-door meeting that the team just had where he laid into the team for lackluster play, and we'll see how— Which we've never seen before. R- well, it, it hasn't been as widely reported. Right. And we'll see how effective it is, right? But then the question is, was that effective? D- has his voice faded with the clubhouse? And how many of those guys with whom his voice has faded will still be here next year? Sure. Because if the answer is that they'll still be here, right. then he's got to go. But if the answer is, those guys are walking out the door to juicy contracts— Maybe there's a chance that Showalter can build a winner here. And that's just something I don't know at this point. And it's something we won't find out if we shove him in the front office and have John Russell manage.
1: Yeah, that's really weird. Just noticed that there's a tape here right um, by, the, uh, by the podcast. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put it in and just um, see what this is on. It just says the initials DD on it.
0: I'm terrified.
2: I know there's pain. Why does this team play like a stain? No one can change except for Buck. Don't think this is all about luck. Just give us some hits and some dongs. Is it really going to end before it starts? Someday somebody's going to turn around and hit some gongs. Until then, Berlin, are you going to put me down and make me want to cry? Don't you know? Don't you know? Things can change. Things can go our way. If you hold on for one more game. Can you hold on for one more game? To go our way, hold on for one more game. you were right to be scared. <laughs>
0: Dan Duquette wants us to hold on for one more Dan game. Duquette apparently, <laughs> wants us to hold on for one more game. I was just holding on for one more line.
1: <laughs> we don't need to hear any more
0: lines. <laughs> The vocal stylings of Dan Duquette have, uh,
1: have been sorely missed on this program. Like I said, um, the uh, the New England theater troupe um, <laughs> that he used to uh, be part of um, is sorely missing a um, what? What, kind of, what do you think that is? Like, um, I don't know. I can tell you this much. Yeah, uh,
0: I know that uh, uh, Derek Arnold, uh, the oh. big, the biggest Wilson Phillips
1: fan I know, is going to be thrilled about this. No reference. question, he loves some Wilson Phillips. Oh, oh my already. goodness all right <laughs> what have we done here? what have we done here what have we done with this season i'll tell you what we have done uh we're coming up on our favorite week of the entire year uh it's west coast baseball which means that jake gets to stay up really late at night and watch some meaningless baseball games so jake let's go ahead and turn the lights down low let's get a little seductive and let's play with some dongs
2: after dark
0: That's right, my friends, with the Orioles limping off to the West Coast with an unimpressive record, we have to take what few joys we can out of the 2018 season. Therefore, it's time for the return of our favorite hashtag, Dongs After Dark. Dongs After Dark. We're hoping that a little late night baseball will be enough to get the fans blood pumping, but we realize that it's more likely to leave us laying on our beds, disappointing With another poor performance. Now, if you're not familiar with Dongs After Dark, please go back to episode 170, where Andrew Stetka joined us for what he thought was going to be a perfectly respectable podcast, and the very next segment, we pulled out Dongs After Dark. Dongs After Dark is what we call home runs on the West Coast trip, but it's so much more. We think here at uh SD Studios, that Dongs After Dark is a great title for a baseball-themed adult film. And so we try to think, what film synopsis would go with a movie called Dongs After Dark? So Scotty, is is it possible that you can start us off on maybe suggesting a, a plot for Dongs After Dark? I think I can. Uh, do you mind
1: if I uh, turn the lights down and play a little music? Oh, God. please Set the mood. All right. I, let me try this. Okay. Liking it. Let's, oh, there it is. All right. Let me uh, calibrate my throat here. A young stud stuck out of position. Hits his knees and offers up a prayer as he runs into a tough spot. Trey Mancini stars in the conservative film Defending the Wall. That's nice. That's nice. Nice little audible there. Yes.
0: Get back into the saddle again as Pedro Alvarez takes you on a tour of sheer power and determination. You'll be powerless to resist his charms as he goes off not once, but twice, like a bull in a china shop. Trying to prove that he can get it done where it counts, El Toro will make the most of his stick in this production of
1: Dogs After Dark. Entering into a new town, he finds himself stuck with two good balls, and with his partner only with one. Jan stars in Won't You Take a Chance on Me in Dawns
2: After Dark.
1: A brawny
0: hulk wears out and nearly gives up when he can't get it up, his average, or anything else. All looks lost until an older stud takes him out of the lineup for a long weekend. Hoping that the cool man can teach him how to get back to banging balls, Chris Davis stars in this masson film of the week,
1: Dongs After Dark. Jake, uh, an experienced veteran, arrives late to the show and has a tough time putting his balls... Into play. Alex star. Alex Cobb stars in. Cobbling it together. In dongs after dark.
0: After spraying it all over the place. This tall drink of water gets. Locked in. To hit all the right spots. He uses his back door cutter. To induce some bang bang plays. It might make you grimace at first, but you'll soon find your O-face as Chris Tillman stars in
1: DONGS After Dark. So that's what DONGS After Dark is all about. Uh, Folks, let us know what your adult film for the Baltimore's would be right now. And please, try to keep it (laughs) PG-13.
0: In fact, at the end of every late-night game, Please feel free to send us your late-night synopses of Dongs After Dark. This is an important part of our Orioles fandom.
1: Hashtag Dongs After Dark. All right, well, let's go ahead and figure out who won this week on Fantasy Boss. Gosh darn it.
2: I just gotta keep insisting the oh, baby You sure do swing When it comes to
0: kissing I just gotta keep insisting on oh, daddy You
2: are the king Baby, you've got me beat up and down Inside, out, and across Oh, yeah But in the middle of the night When the moon is shining bright
0: You know, we haven't had to hold
1: me closer to Tony Danza in a while I know been three weeks i'm really missing it uh so dylan bundy went boom and richard blyer was consistent uh we did x WOBA last week so just kind of looking at the aspect of um how pitchers did um in terms of um exit velocity and launch angle and uh richard blyer with that ground ball ratio um, did an immaculate job and continues to do an immaculate job so far this season uh, Dylan Bundy had his worst start of the entire season, so it was kind of to be expected that. Stop I've... picking him to do well. Yes, exactly. Um, surprisingly, which I thought was interesting, uh, the individual that performed the best this week in terms of xwoba, woba Mike Wright with a 128 xwoba. woba So it's a really good stat, That's what you're telling me. Uh, what I'm saying is, small, simple size. I was waiting. Yes. Uh, all right, so Jake, you take the lead at 3-2. to two. I'm on a roll. And Jake, I think we've got to keep up with the theme of this week. Jake, it's got to be Dongs this week, right? For Dongs After Dark. I would like, I would like to put a rule in place. Okay.
0: I want Dongs After Dark like nobody's business, right? But it's a race, sure. Right, Dongs After Dark. You pick the category. I then get to pick the player. And any smart person is going to take Manny Machado, sure, because he's the only thing we've got going, right? I'm going to say Dongs After Dark, but Scott, nobody can pick Manny Machado. Oh, okay. Uh, we Let's do that. That's fine with me. All right. So my choice then for Dongs After Dark, he had a rough week this week, but I'm hoping
1: that he'll get off the schneid. I'm picking Adam Jones. Oh, see, that's actually who I was going to go with was Adam Jones. He always seems to do better on the West Coast, at least uh, with my memory. Um, You know what? I'm going to go ahead and... Um I'm going to take Trey Mancini. You need him to do well. I, I need Trey Mancini to do well, so I'm going to take Trey Mancini um, and, and see how well it goes. But yeah, I think that's the smart pick. By the way, I, I I don't know. Like he's such a slap hitter sometimes. Or he he doesn't really go for the home run. It doesn't seem like so. i was thinking him or the Pedro Alvarez, but I think Pedro's too hot for his own good right now. Too hot. Too hot. So I'm going to go Trey Mancini and see what happens. So. All right, so Trey Mancini, you're going Adam Jones with Manny Machado being an instant disqualification. Uh, We will see who owns it this week. And with that, let's find out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this week in Orioles baseball. Right, folks, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly, where we break down all that is awful in Berlin, actually. We're just going to have to go with ugly, ugly, ugly eventually. You yeah, realize that, right? I'm aware. Jake, why don't you go ahead and start
0: us off with the good for this week, though? Just to spite you, though, I almost picked three good things and was just going to play it off like nothing happened. There you go. Uh, my good this week... Scott, I don't know if I need to check my prescription here or something, but uh, the the words written on my screen are as such. Good. Chris Tillman? Yeah. Was Chris Tillman good this week? I guess. Chris Tillman, look, he had a rough first inning. He hit a batter. He walked a batter. He had to wriggle out of a jam. But then he didn't give up a hit until the fifth inning. And, in fact, he ended up with seven innings pitched with one hit. And he uh, recorded his first his first win in 22 starts. And more importantly, at least as far as I'm concerned, the first time that he had gone seven innings since 2016. Look, And he had some strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah, strikeouts. I think he's a waste of a roster spot, but I hope to be eating crow. Look, if Chris Tillman can be anywhere near decent in the fifth starter role, that's excellent for this team. That's huge. Now, I'm not going to get excited after one start, but for one week, for one start, Chris Tillman was good. All right.
1: Uh, We talked about it in uh, Fantasy Boss. Pedro Alvarez has been in Fuego this past week. Uh, Four home runs, uh, six RBIs. Uh, posting up a 561 WOBA and a 258 Wader Runs created Plus. Yeah, Pedro Alvarez won several games this week for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, me likey. Me likey a lot, Pedro Alvarez. Well done.
0: Yeah. All right, let's go to bad. Uh, Scotty, I have some complaints. Okay. Some p- complaints. Don't with, you always? Yes, Mother Nature. You and I went to the game on Sunday. Yeah. And that was not a good day Oof. to be sitting in the upper deck watching a baseball it game. It was chilly. It was chilly. I thought we were done with this crap. Of course, we go to a game on Sunday, and the rest of the week is gorgeous. Oh,
1: and the birds are out of town. Yeah. Mother Nature, you're unnoticed. Get your stuff together. It's baseball season. Yeah. Uh, for the bad, I'm going to go to your Freaky Friday situation, like you pointed out. <laughs> uh, Dylan Bundy had to be the bad for this week, um, posting up a, uh, a ridiculous 13.5 ERA, a decent K rate, decent walk rate, but he just got the ball slapped all over the field and gave up a ton of home runs. Um, Dylan Bundy, one really, really bad start, but it would have been nice to basically at least pull one from the Tampa Bay Rays. Instead, nada, nothing, zero. Try again next time.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like pitching's been up and down. Let me break the tie. I'm going to my ugly Kashner. Yeah. Andrew Kashner was ugly this week. Six earned runs. For a total of seven, over four innings, three walks, a hit batter, a wild pitch. Look, Andrew Kashner at this point has averaged fewer than six innings per start. I know that a you know a four inning appearance will throw that off in a small sample size, but we gotta hope for more consistency than what we're seeing, and we've gotta hope that we don't see too many
1: four inning, seven run appearances. That was simply ugly. All right, my ugly is going to go into a similar category for starting pitching, and it's going to go to Alex Cobb, who has absolutely been atrocious. Um, three starts so far in the season, uh, 11.2 innings pitched, and is posting a uh, a whopping 13.11 ERA. More concerning to me than anything, though, is I look at this last start where Alex Cobb came out here. He didn't have a single strikeout. There are so many balls being put into play by Alex Cobb right now, and he's not getting that swinging miss. And... It's not the point that you, you know, raise the panic alarm, but it does. You do look at it and say, where are the strikeouts? Because this is clear Chris Tillman territory of like, where's the strikeouts? And I don't know why Chris uh, Alex Cobb can't get those strikeouts right now, Um, but his stuff is just not effective. And he's just dropping it right in the middle of the plate. And um, it's been pretty ugly lately. So hopefully he can figure it out and get it together sooner rather than later. Otherwise, it's a really bad signing womp 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 um, all right. we'll blow some saves absolutely all right jake we've talked about this before but uh, there's one thing that i noticed walking around at the game on sunday um and there's a lot of good local craft beer um, up in at Camden Yards, so uh, I didn't drink any because, as we talked about it, it was freezing. And honestly, it's not worth basically drinking a cold beer when they you're they don't make alcoholic or a hot chocolate. But I will say this much: just walking around the upper deck, the amount of Flying Dog and um, you know Union Craft that I saw and um, Heavy Seas. Anybody that complains. About, well, I don't want to go to the baseball game because they don't have Natty Bo. Shame on you. And honestly, you shouldn't even listen to this podcast. Natty Bo is... No, go ahead and listen. No, no, no. No, no, don't listen. Just the two of you that are out there, don't listen. Um, the, The amount of, you know, people that are out there saying, oh, well, I want to drink Natty Bo because it's a local beer. It's absolutely ridiculous. Again, support your local breweries. I saw everyone from, you know, Flying Dog, Union... Um, heavy Seas, but I also saw, like, Brews Art was up in there. Um, um, the one brewery out in Dundalk that we've talked about before was up Key. In, Key. Thank yeah. you. Key Brewery was up there, too. Again, I counted at least six or seven local breweries. I was just like, that's really cool. Like, if I wanted to come and drink just beer and not have to go to a bar, like, I could come down to here. I'd be paying an arm and a leg to do so. But, you know, I do think that the Uros have gotten a lot of flack in the past um in terms of the distribution deal um in Kicking the Stadium but in reality um I do think they're doing a pretty decent job of getting a local product out there to the fans and giving them plenty of options in terms of the small medium and large as well people just want to try different types of beers as well
0: and you know it's funny baseball team leaves Milwaukee eventually comes to Baltimore the beer leaves Baltimore and eventually goes to Milwaukee yeah time is a flat circle here's something else i noticed at the stadium if you've got a second they're uh in the process of building a new kids corner yeah uh right by the escalator to the uh club section and the 300s uh which will be nice for anybody that doesn't want to traipse all the way to the other side of the stadium uh to go to the the kids play place so it's going to be you know like a jungle gym type of deal just like they got over on the other side so good for you orioles particularly after having um you know uh Made sure that the kids can watch losing baseball for free. Um, you know, if they're going to be more kids, got to be more stuff for kids. So okay. good for you, Orioles. Yep.
1: Well thought out process.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And it makes, me, it actually makes me wonder if the additional playground wasn't executed after
1: the announcement of Kids Cheer Free. I, d- I don't, I don't know which it's, way it was. It's an interesting thought because it does come back to, you would have thought that a playground assembly would have been done, right? Preseason at, during right. the preseason, yep. But nope, not the case. And that—that that is
0: our show. Remember, you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable
1: episodes at Bird's Eye View Baltimore com bird's eye view is available for download wherever it is you get your podcasts. subscribe to the show on apple podcast stitcher google play music and many others please remember to rate and review the show we appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time we love meeting new people and talking
0: orioles baseball with other diehard fans although sometimes it's a little too chilly for us to entertain guests in the third deck uh email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat, but the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And with that,
1: Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. God, I hope they can get it up this week. I don't
0: think so much. I think, uh they might need a
1: prescription is what you're saying we're gonna look that look at that score and think god that's small i really want to know how dandy got into the podcast studio really i i think it is a good question how that happened or alan smith